Good morning, beautiful, and welcome to <laughs> A Tiny Revolution from the Bedlam Podcast Network, celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter. My name is Kevin Garcia, and Merry Christmas to all of my friends and to all of my enemies, for that matter, to all the people who are listening far and wide. Uh, this is a special little Christmas Day episode that has like zero production value on it because let's just try and keep it simple um you know the deal i'm going to be at gcn in like uh two weeks come see me um all that information is on the kevingarcia.com slash speaking if you want the bad theology kill shirt you can get it at the kevingarcia.com slash merch and if you want to subscribe to the blog you can do that at the kevingarcia.com and uh, pick up my ebook. I'm also working on a new resource called um, What Your Queer Kid Needs You to Know. Or maybe we'll just call it What We Need You to Know. Subtitle, What Every Queer Person Wishes the Rest of Humanity Knew About Them. Um, and I'm really excited about that sort of uh, project. Because I haven't had a new project in a while. Um, I'm also on track to finish my manuscript by the end of the year. Um, and there's going to be some really cool ways for you to partner with me on that come come the new year. Um, I'm going to be announcing it um, probably right after the new year because I want to make sure I finalize the details before I let you all know. But if you do want to get on the ground floor of that um, and you do want to be a part of that move, you can become a supporter. And how you do that is go to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia to learn more about uh, about what about what I'm doing with the podcast and what I'm doing with my book and what I'm doing with the blog in 2017. It's lit, y'all. Um, anyways, so it's Christmas today, and uh, if you're like me, you might be traveling. You might be somewhere else. I don't really know, but uh, I want you to know how much I love you. And that's why I'm making this little podcast today, to talk about kind of the different ways that I've viewed how, how Chris, what, what Christmas means to me now, you know, one year post being out of the closet, one year uh, trying to become more racially conscious, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think I'm going to title this, The Light Didn't Come Down. <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll call this episode. It's called The Light Did Not Come Down. Um, so here we go. This is what I've got written up for you, and I hope you enjoy it. Let me get a sip of coffee. Yum. Okay. So there's this line from one of my favorite uh, songwriters named Natalie Dawn, and it says, Angels always get the best lines. Fear not must have worked back in biblical times. And that's from a song called Dying to Live. And I think, honestly, that's such a perfect description of like what we live in today right and i think it's so interesting that the first thing that that we that we do the first thing that happens when humans have contact with the divine in the bible the first thing that angels tend to do is just to establish that in the presence of god in the presence of perfect love that fear has no place over and over again, angels are telling folks in the Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not. And so what do the people who encounter these angels naturally do? They freak out. 
Um, oh, at least some of the time. Apparently, with like Mary, the mother of Jesus, that uh, wasn't quite the case. We don't know a whole lot about her. At least I don't. Uh, at least from her about her background. At least, but like from what we read in the scriptures, she was probably just another girl born into a system of Roman oppression, just trying to keep her head down and take care of her family and to do the right thing. And But it said that she had found favor with God. And when the angel shows up to tell her that she's pregnant with the Messiah, the book of Luke paints her as this very chill woman who was cool with the fact that all of a sudden she was mysteriously pregnant before she was married and that this child would, in fact, be the savior of humanity. You know casual stuff and i know that if it were me i would be like uh no way dude that that's this isn't real i must be hallucinating and even if that moment happened and even if in the moment i believed that the angel was real and that it was all really happening i'd still be freaking out inside because now i'm gonna be the subject of rumor and scandal you know being that mary was in fact human i can only imagine that she was thinking along all these same lines, feeling all of these implications. And despite whatever fear she was feeling, Mary still said yes. Despite her lack of understanding, despite all the things that were impossible about the situation, she still said yes to what God was doing. You know, and after that initial freak out, and after what I assume was a freak out, after that initial visitation from the first angel, you know, She might have been asking, was that real? And then she had confirmation after confirmation of what God was doing uh, in her life. There was a confirmation from her betrothed, Joseph, who I also assume was pretty worked up about the situation. There was confirmation from her cousin Elizabeth, who was about to give birth to John the Baptist. Nine months later, after having to travel a long way to Bethlehem, she ends up having her kid in this nasty-ass stable with farm animals like i try to think like i try to just like picture that now like in our own context like in like you know first world america like a woman having her kid in a barn with like no no nothing to sanitize the space nothing to weigh the child nothing to check its vitals it was just like oh we're gonna we're gonna do this right here um cows over there taking a dump uh, pigs are squealing because they're very uncomfortable. The goats are loud as shit. And here's this woman who, with herself and her husband, you know, because it didn't say anybody else was there. So we're just going to assume bare minimum. She's got her husband-to-be and her big old pregnant belly that's pushing out a baby. That's terrifying, you know? <laughs> so she goes and she has this a baby in a barn and then apparently the town rejects the shepherds and then some strangers from the east show up and then crowd her space when she's probably just trying to nurse her baby jesus can you just again try to imagine with me which is what we tend to do through podcasts uh she has this baby that's supposed to be a messiah that's promised by prophecy and how is that even going to work it must have been like equal parts gift and responsibility And scripture tells us that she treasured up all these things in her heart. She took into account the full weight of everything. And she was probably exhausted. And she was probably confused. And then 
shortly after Jesus Jesus is born, she's forced to flee to Egypt in the wake of an infanticide of all the male children being slaughtered because of one politician's fear-filled command. Was that really how this was all supposed to go down? She travels to give birth to the king of kings and ends up having her baby in the dirt, not in a palace. Outsiders and foreigners show up. There's the slaughter of innocents. Not exactly what one would imagine. You know, a deliverer. To, like, not exactly what you'd think that would be for the deliverer of the entire world. I also think about what the rest of the Israelites were thinking at the time, who were all living under Roman oppression. For them, this was probably just another time of year, like, you know, Christianity wasn't a faith tradition at the time. They had been living in a silent period. There had been no great prophets for a good chunk of time. They were, were they waiting or were they just, like, pissed that God hadn't done anything? Or maybe they thought that God forgot about them. And on top of that, there were no Christmas carols to like get them ready. There was no season of Advent. There was no royal announcement made to the entire country. It was a couple angels, or maybe it was a host of angels, whatever that means, a whole lot of them. Uh, they appeared to a bunch of shepherds who were outside of town. Um, and it was the outsiders who got the first glimpse of the new thing God was doing which I think is quite telling because it seems that God has kept that tradition alive and kicking by allowing those of us on the margins to catch a glimpse of what God is doing, this new thing, before anybody else. And much like the shepherds, uh, after after they saw Jesus, it says that they went away praising God. You know, I feel like, this, what, are we, what are we doing, you know, as marginalized, you know, Christians who within our own tradition, are praising God and giving witness to what God is doing, and yet no one seems to believe us. Wow, nothing changes in 2,000 years. Anyways, so like I said, the Israelites, I, I sometimes wonder about them. Like, if they thought that maybe God didn't care about them, maybe they were cynical. Many of them, I'm sure, like wanted a full-blown revolution, an overthrow of the government to be reunited and to become a sovereign nation. You know, a couple times in my life I've been told from a pastor that maybe the Israelites were looking for a political king. But this story, the birth of Christ, and even the life of Jesus doesn't give us that, does it? Jesus gives us another way that neither looks like submission, but it doesn't look like overthrow either. It's like this quiet subversion that focuses on the hearts of people as a means of affecting the minds of the mighty. And I think the Christmas story paints a few beautiful things for us. The first one is this. Revolution doesn't always come the way we think that it will. People want something visible and often. Uh, They want it in, in their face. They want it to be violent and quick. They want it to look like people are taking back power swiftly and there's justice to be dealt immediately. And hell, I want that. There's nothing I'd love more to have, like, all the systems that we talk about all the time, all this oppressive power that holds us down to be swept away in a beautiful tide of justice. And then I could just get onto the stuff I'm actually here to do, which is to help people live their best life. 
to be a worship pastor, to, you know, find my partner and make a family. But alas, here I am just simply trying to justify my existence, as many of us are. But the birth of Christ shows us that in everything, including revolutions, start off very small and very fragile. They're often born out of shitty situations where people don't have a choice but to keep going. And they often go unnoticed by the larger majority. And they're anything but glamorous. I think the kind of revolution God works through isn't about big sweeping motions, but about small, tiny steps towards the kingdom. I think it's a bunch of people making a bunch of tiny choices, a bunch of yeses to what God is doing that add up to a kingdom being established where everyone is brought along, for better or for worse. It, it's a, it's kind of like working with an end game in mind, knowing that, like in Romans, it says that our present suffering is nothing compared to the glory that's to come. And it starts with us saying yes, despite our understanding, despite not knowing if we're even going to see the completion of the work in our lifetime. We say yes to the work because we understand that a future exists somewhere out there. And we get to be a part of it. You think about, again, think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's probably known the stories that there's a Messiah coming, that there is a, a kingdom to come, that there's going to be a good thing that God is going to do one day. And so when the angel visits her and says, hey, you're the one that's going to, you're the start of it. You're the one who's going to make it happen. And she doesn't know what exactly that'll look like, but she says yes anyways. So maybe we can take a page out of her book. Because I'm, I'm sure like maybe she was expecting the same thing. Maybe she thought that redemption for Israel looked like a political revolution. But it didn't. Another thing that the story and life and the birth of Christ tells us is that redemption takes a lot longer than we want it to and often doesn't look the way we think it will. I used to think that my healing for example, looked a very specific way, that it would look like marriage and kids and a normal life in ministry. But it didn't turn out that way. And it will never be that way. And I thank God because obviously God had a better idea for me. And I think that for some of us, we have a very specific view of what our redemption is going to look like. Like some of us are looking for it to happen quickly. That if we just had this healing this breakthrough, this spiritual, the super spiritual moment, if we found our people, if we got our community, if we just got our degree, if we just uh, were a part of this specific worship ministry, if we just go on these giant trips around the world to serve God, that would be a sign of God's favor. That would be a sign of God's redemption. We're, and then we forget that God is already with us, that redemption and healing are things that I, I, one of my friends calls it the reality of our future selves. Like Just like it says in Romans, the glory that is to come. You know, If we're seated on the right hand of, of the Father along with Christ, our brother, we already have all those things living within our person. It's like we are healed and we are being healed. We are holy and being made holy. It's this paradoxical thing, which you know we love dealing with those. But our redemption... 
the thing that we want most. We think that it's going to look a very specific way. And, and sometimes it does happen quickly. Sometimes God does move on behalf of people. Miracles happen. And I when I say miracles, I actually really do mean like supernatural stuff, like eyes being opened, sickness being healed. Uh, people, when you say get up and walk, people do it. Like I've seen it happen. And you can call me crazy or whatever, but I, I was there. And I don't really know how to explain it. I don't try to explain it. So you can take that or leave that. So yes, I I know that God moves quickly on behalf of people. That miracles do happen. But most of the time, most of the time, I feel like when we're asking for a miracle, when we're asking for God to move, we miss the little tiny miracles that happen right in the midst of our own situation. And we miss the small ways in which we can move ourselves towards God. Because the story of the Bible isn't rapture, as some Southerners and Southern evangelicals would have you believe. God doesn't always just remove us from our situation and set our feet on solid ground. The word is reconciliation. And reconciliation takes a lot longer than rapture. And by the way, again, I don't... Rapture... The idea that in the end times, God is just going to take all of his kids up into the sky and the world is going to burn in its iniquity is honestly a fairly new idea in the history of the world. And frankly, it's one that I reject. Uh, but that is another podcast for another time. Uh, but just I just want you to know that's where I stand. <laughs> but reconciliation, redemption, restoration, these things take time. Again, because it's Christmas, we're going to Look at Mary's situation again. I'm, I think at some point during her pregnancy with Jesus, she probably was freaked out and asked God to take this from her. And do, I don't know that for a fact, obviously, but again, she was human. And I can't imagine a Mary who didn't say, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Or a Mary who said, I don't want this responsibility. You know, she had to have felt the full weight of this responsibility on her like the entire future of her people was literally growing inside her and she was probably incredibly unsure about the whole thing unsure of how it was going to work how this baby was going to grow up and be what a king a prophet a ruler she didn't know how could she know but she was just one person saying yes to god and showing up and that's it and maybe that's all she could handle. I know it's all I can handle most days. I see where I want to go in life. I feel God leading me towards a certain direction. And I have no idea how I'm going to get there. But all I can do is just show up and say yes to whatever it is. And I'm sure you have felt the same way too. Where you, We all see where this whole thing is headed. And we don't know how it's going to happen. We don't know how healing and restoration are going to come. But we say yes Anyways, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard that the, the phrase like God could have called him as conquering king, but he didn't. He could have come as a baby, or excuse me, he did come as a baby. And as much as a gross platitude as that is, it is too true. God could have come as a conquering king. He could have just forced politicians and powers to bow down to divine authority, to lift up those who are oppressed, to just bring equality to the earth. But God didn't. God could have come down on a cloud and just pronounced judgment and justice, but God didn't. God didn't remove Israel from oppression 
in an instant when they were captured in Egypt. But, and God also didn't remove Israel again when they were under Roman oppression. But God gave us Jesus to teach us how to fully live in spite of the oppression that we face every day. And I'm going to say that line again. God didn't remove Israel from oppression under from Roman rule in an instant just because they asked. God gave us Jesus to teach us how to fully live in spite of the trials, in spite of the oppression, in spite of the injustice that we face every day. The language I just used, by the way, is not even how I even think about God moving in the world, about you know, God coming down out of the sky. Um, in fact, the thing that actually inspired this podcast was Josh Gale's new album called Light Came Down. Because I just, that kind of language just kind of irks me a little bit. Because that's how I used to think of God as away and far off and over in heaven, way up there in the clouds somewhere. With us mortals, like, it's just us suckers down here on the ground. And if I do enough good and if I. If I, if I am a good enough person, then maybe at the end of my life, I can get on that elevator after death and just bloop my way on up to heaven and streets of gold, yada, yada. Um, but Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. So what if God wasn't coming down here from glory, but showing us something else? Personally, I think that the birth of Christ is as much a story about God being with us, choosing to dwell with us, as it is God showing us that there is a divine light burning inside every single one of us, that within every single one of God's creations, there is an immaculate conception waiting to be birthed, and it only comes when we say yes to God. And being that it must be birth, that means it takes time. And oftentimes that means that there's a little bit of pain and a little bit of sacrifice. And that sounds scary and hard and a little messy, to be frank. But just as a mother forgets her pain when she sees her child, so too it is with the destiny that God has placed inside of you. And I believe that God is something powerful for all of us a very specific story that is to be told with your life, a gospel that only you can write. You have a very specific people that you're supposed to reach to impact a specific corner of the kingdom that you are called to co-create with God. And it may not look like recognition. It may not look like having a platform. It could be as simple as helping your little baby home church be the best little baby home church there ever was. It could be that you start blogging about your life and you only have like 200 dedicated subscribers, but you take care of them. It could be that you travel and meet the most amazing people and you tell stories. It could be that you adopt a child or maybe you start caring for some marginalized people groups in your community. Or maybe it looks like repairing broken relationships. And maybe it looks like loving your kids well. And maybe it looks like calling up the person you haven't spoken to in so long and just saying you're sorry. Maybe it looks like performing your job your job well, or maybe it looks like finally quitting that job that you hate because it's sucking the life out of you. Or maybe it's choosing to become an emotionally healthy person and starting to go to therapy. Maybe it's saying no to something 
saying no to all the overcommitments and saying no to stuff like to substance abuse. Like maybe you hit the bottle a little too hard. I know that I have a thing for red wine. <laughs> I know that in 2017 I need to cut back a little bit. You know, there there are these these tiny little miracles, these small movements towards God that you were created to that you were created to take. You know, you can take these movements on your own and you don't have to wait for God to deliver you from anything. God's already taken off your chains, opened the prison doors. But the thing about it is is that to be a captive sometimes is also a mental state. And you've got to be the one to claim the freedom that God is offering you. And granted, yes, I know there's work to be done. And I want things to change so quickly, as we all do. And there's nothing wrong with us for demanding justice for ourselves to be treated as equals. But in the meantime, as we are riding on the slow-moving train of justice, I think one thing I try to remember is that love is patient. Love endures, always hopes, always trusts. And more than anything, I try to remember the truth that love never fails. So I don't know you or what you're walking through or what you're feeling. I don't know what specifically God has for you in this time, in this season. But I do know that God has something for you. That's only for you. That is specific to your your gifts, your talents, your story, what you have walked through, what you're good at, what you love doing. I know God has something for you. And what I do know is that whatever it is, it is good. And if you want to unlock whatever that is, if you want to uncover that thing that God has placed in you, it starts with saying yes to God, to what God is doing in you. And it, and it takes remembering that the end result is not going to be what you expect. Your revolution, your redemption, your healing, your promised land may look a specific way in your mind, but it's going to look totally different once you get there. The journey is going to change. And that's what this whole thing's for. You know, I, th- I feel like Mary was probably thinking, oh, I'm going to have this baby and it's going to be great. and It's going to be cool. But then like as she's traveling from her hometown to Bethlehem, the town of her husband's father, she's probably thinking, oh, oh, this this isn't what I expected at all. But she still said yes. And that's what's going to happen with you. You're going to say yes to the initial part. And then you have to keep saying yes along the way every single moment yes god i don't understand but i trust you yes god i don't know where you're leading me but i'm here for it so to you my dear friend sweet brother loving sister beloved sibling i wish you a very merry christmas happy holidays happy new years all those things and i ask this blessing for you May you be keenly aware of the immaculate conception that is within you, the thing that God has placed you here to do, even if you don't know what it is. I pray that you'd soon uncover that. I pray that whatever revolution that you are fighting, be it personal or public, you remember that it's God's battle, not yours, and that the end result may not be exactly what you think it's going to be, but that you would continue to say yes to this journey with God. And more than anything, I pray that love would dwell in you richly, 
setting you free to be the person you were always created to be, and that you would hear the same words of the angels that were that have been spoken to so many before, and let them be an anthem you sing over the coming season of your life. Fear not, for I have great news that's going to be for all the people. Amen. Merry Christmas, my friends. I love you. I hope that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are experiencing love. Whether that is if you're by yourself or with your with your family or your chosen family. I hope today is a little bit lighter for you. Bye now, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>